I'm Garrett McQueen. I'm Scott Blankenship. And this is Triloquy, True and Real Stories from the Fringes of Classical Music. Namaste, Scott. Namaste to you, Garrett. What a... I'm I'm at a loss for words about this opus of Triloquy. I mean, there's peace. There is power. There is love. There is emotion. Um, We're we're exploring uh, Indian classical music today. Um, And and I'll I'll just start by saying... um, uh, when I joined the board for the American Composers Forum, I met all types of really interesting people, and um, a woman named Nirmala uh, was one of those folks. And um, in one of our early meetings, um, you know, we were talking about how we define that phrase classical music, and I offered uh, the idea of Indian classical music being far older than anything by uh, Bach or even Handel, yeah. or, you know, um, and and she was uh, there in the room, and uh, she came up and, and thanked me for my words and, and we had uh, we, we had a nice uh, chat and um, I decided that she needed to be um, on Triloquy and, and you uh, you know facilitated that so today we're going to hear um, stories about Indian classical music we're going to actually hear some some Indian uh, classical music yeah. of which I know you know very little what, what, what's your experience with, with those sounds of sitars and all that sort of thing well in the interview, we talk about how there was a time where I studied with Jeff Ray, who Mm. uh, is a slide blues guitarist, but he has some inspiration from Indian sounds. Right. And he has, you know, like her percussionist had that drone app on his phone. He had a guitar pedal that did something similar, and he would do Indian sounding improvisation over that drone. And I just get lost in it. I mean, absolutely lost in it. And it it goes beyond what you were talking about, uh, the love, the passion, the dedication that's all folded into this performance. To me, it was on another plane, you know, where you leave your body and you just sort of flow with the musician. You know, it's one of those things where I always hope that I just don't want it to end. Absolutely. I I would just like to ride that wave with them. Uh, As far as popular culture goes, the only thing that I can think of that it made its way in, um, Sting recorded a song called Desert Rose. Okay. Which had some traditional uh, Indian singing. Which and and she did some of that in the interview too. That I was I just thought keep going. Yeah, I just want to sit here and listen to you, Nirmala. Yeah, she was a um, tremendously um, positive person and loving person. You feel her aura all around her. She's just always smiling, always positive. I. I, I what a great interview this was. Yes, and she brought her friend uh, Barpati, who is a uh, a master uh, percussionist uh, in the Indian style. And and you know one of the one of the things I wanted uh, to to make sure I just touch on before we get into the interview is how Nirmala was talking about uh, and Barpati how they were talking about how music is uh, in moods and yeah. modes and not necessarily keys. And I forget the number she said, but there are thousands. Of she knew it right off. It's like three thousand yeah. four hundred seventy-one. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I just found myself so moved. My eyes were swelling up hearing her talk about the relationship between the spirit and the body and and the music. How it's all connected. And then she, uh, one of the songs that you'll hear her sing uh, in the uh, in the interview, uh, kind of goes along the lines of life is a stage and. And and we're we're players, and and for many reasons that tugs on my heartstrings. You know, thinking about the concept of that, yeah. Um, and we all play many parts mm-hmm. throughout the course of our individual plays. 
Yeah. I mean, how how about we just go ahead and get into this one? I I think that's the best idea we've had yet. Nirmala and Balpati, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Namaste. 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 Vanakkam, as we say in Tamil. Okay. (laughs) Say say that again for me. Vanakkam. Barakkam. I'm going to do my best today. I'm I'm going to butcher a lot of pronunciations. I'm sorry. I think you do always a fabulous job. So, oh. <laughs> well, uh the the first thing I wanted to uh, sort of talk about before we really dig into the topic um is the idea of being this cultural representative. So for me, you know, uh, as as a black musician, people always want me to speak for black musicians. And uh, I, I'm sure, you know, with something as unique as the music the two of you play, you maybe that's a part of uh, what you've experienced in the past as far as your presentations and interviews. I'm curious. Yes and no, um, not in a big way, but definitely in some ways, as soon as they particularly see me with my instrument, mm. that provokes a lot of questions and interesting questions because it's quite unique when you play a 2,000-year-old instrument wow. and you yeah. travel with it. And for me, it's an absolute honor and privilege to play something that's that old. And yet, that's something that's thriving and so dynamically developing over the years because it's certainly not in the shape and form it was 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yes, you're right. I do get asked about uh, coming from the East Indian South Indian, if I may, cultural uh, tradition and playing an instrument and living in the United States of America in Minnesota. You know, all these are tremendous areas uh, for opening up and sharing because many times we find when people play Indian classical music, they are, if they live in the States, which is rare itself, when you're a professional, you kind of live in your country uh, where you're trying to put yourself on the map. And I am not doing that. So that's the first thing. But I have to say I'm blessed to be in Minnesota. And I'm thrilled that this has been my home for 25 years and I'm able to travel. Otherwise, people settle down on the East or West Coast, mm. particularly California, New York, yeah. um, New Jersey, you know, where there's a very big concentration of the East Indian population, if I may. And then Minnesota doesn't figure on that list, at least did not figure on that list. But now Minnesota is a hub hopping with activity in the Indian classical dance and music scene. And we um, we can't even keep up with the number of events that come to town. Mm-hmm. There's so many happening every weekend. And I don't know whether it's that these people that moved in the past 10, 15 years loved the cold particularly, but for some reason... <laughs> Weird. Many reasons, actually. <laughs> Weird. Um, we have gotten used to uh, seeing a lot of activity. So I've kind of become known for a musician that, that lives in a country far away from India, but Mm -hmm. still playing professionally and traveling. And you have to feel incredibly lucky about it. I mean, the stars must have aligned in a big way. And we always say in the Indian culture, the blessings of your previous generation and elders shower heavily on you. So the good things that my parents and my grandparents and ancestors and my teachers have all done we get to bear, you know, have the fruit. The tree was planted a long time ago, and they did good things. So I believe I'm getting the benefit of all of that. Wow. You mentioned uh, you mentioned just uh, a few moments ago that you feel blessed yes. to be able to carry on this tradition. And I'm curious if you could talk a little bit more about that because I don't know if I've spoken with anyone, any other musicians, that talk about their music being a blessing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, that, yes. So can you talk, uh, both of you, if you could uh, talk a little bit about what it means to carry this music forward? Sure. 
I say that with absolute uh, truth in every sense of the word, because for a 2,000-year-old oral tradition to survive and thrive, the first thing is the fact that we have the audio oral, oral Mm -hmm. transmission of it from generation to generation. So that is the first thing about Indian classical music. And to receive that, one needs to have the best of the teachers. Mm. One needs to have the best of the guidance from the home that will take you to the best teachers. So that was a big blessing that I got the best teachers for both vocal music and my instrument. So I got to learn from many, many great teachers, performers, and therefore I feel blessed on that account. The second thing is, when I began to study music, yes, I dreamt of being a professional musician from the age of maybe three or four. I would stand on anything that looked remotely like a stage, (laughs) uh, find even a vegetable that looked like a microphone, a long cucumber (laughs) or gold, snake gold. There's a big... uh, Thing in India, a very long vegetable called a snake gourd, which literally looks like a snake, a long snake. I would hold all of that as microphone cables and sing away to glory or imagine myself. But practically speaking, I went to school, um, took music pri- privately, lessons, passed many exams privately, but always went to school, got my master's in systems management in computer science. Oh, nice. Yes, and began a half-done PhD in artificial intelligence in England, thinking naively that I could do both. Be a professional musician, which I began when I was age 13. I played my first solo of about two to three hours concert in Bangalore, India, and then did all the things anybody would do, like going to school, going to undergrad, grad, and all of that, and thinking I could do both. I really needed a lot of blessing first to be able to carry on my music, having a second office going job. That was a big blessing. Mm -hmm. So I got the opportunities even as I was working. Then to have a family and raise two children. And then finally to leave India and Chennai, which is the hub for South Indian classical music, and go living all over the world, including England and, and Switzerland, and then finally in Minnesota, and still dream of being a musician. Wouldn't you agree? I must have had a lot of blessing Absolutely. to make these dreams come true. Truth. And a lot of people's positive energies supporting me. Some of the blessings that I have to count on my teachers, my parents, of course, my grandpa, my extended family of uncles, aunts, my sister... But my husband, Rajshaker, who had no clue what hit him when we got married, (laughs) because the poor man thought I was a computer engineer, Uh like he was. And I'm going to go to office and come home and play the veena for entertainment, Ah. uh, maybe, and for fun. But he never imagined that he was going to go on buses in England carrying this big thing because I had no case for it in those days. I didn't even plan all that. Uh The universe just gave me things as it kept going. And then, of course, to carry it and bring it back from England, which he said he would never do on a ship ever again. And I needed to get a case for it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We brought it back on a cardboard box. I mean, of all things, because I knew nothing more than that at those ages. I was 23 or 24 years old. And then, of course, um, I I learned along the way that things have to fall in place. I still continue to work the job uh, that I did. Um, and go to work and enjoy my work at the office and do supply chain management and all kinds of things in the computer world. Mm -hmm. Before I said, I'm kind of feeling like I'm shortchanging the children and I'm shortchanging my practice Mm, of music and teaching. 
I, I loved it that I got up at four and went to bed at 12, but I just felt I still couldn't get enough practice and take care of the kids better. So when my son came into ninth grade, uh, my husband and I, we took this big decision to give up that big job with a big hefty pay packet and go back to music. And the universe blessed me with the Bush Fellowship. I had no yes. idea I would win it that year. That was the same. I quit my job in March. My, I went to my company and said, give me a part-time job. And they laughed and said, each of you are doing two, three people's jobs. Because no, right after no. Y2K, you know, they oh, let course. go a lot yeah. of people. So they said, Normala, go back, take some time off, come back, we'll give you a job. And so I left with that assurance. But then a month later, the Bush Foundation you know, blessed me with that fellowship, which helped substitute somewhat that pay packet that I was not going to get right away. Soon we learned that I could keep doing this and I was feeling much happier. Um, I was being more of an efficient chauffeur to, to my children because that involved a lot of driving kids around and didn't, um, I didn't feel com like I was compromising them. I was practicing. And, and then, of course, that was about 15 years maybe ago or 14 years ago, and I've been since I've made the, a few tours around the country, a few tours around the globe. Mm. And my position in India is becoming um, um, more secure, if I may. But if you can ever call security as a word in the musician's as, bag. Right, especially as a musician. <laughs> as a yeah. musician. Um, I just hope and pray that I will be blessed to continue playing as long as I'm around. As long as I'm around, I wish I can have most of my hearing Yes. Um, and if possible, my eyesight. Mm. And if possible, the capacity to sit cross-legged and play, if not sit on a chair and play at some point, if I can't sit down. But I really would like to play and sing till the very last minute that, you know, I have to leave the earth. Sounds morbid, but that's truly my dream. And uh, I'm greatly humbled by the support I've received from the community here in Minnesota, around the world, my own home for me mm. to continue this journey. Miles and miles to go before I sleep. I know I'm taking out of Robert Frost, but yes. that used yeah. to be one of my favorite lines. And these woods are dark and deep, particularly when there's snow down, but yep. I love them. Yes. I love them. Bhupatiji should probably tell us about his thoughts about it. Could you touch upon your Gurukula a little bit? Actually, same, same thing Nimla said. Uh, I'm very blessed to have this music profession as a Mirdangam artist. Mm -hmm. So from childhood, I'm very passionate about this rhythmic patterns uh, with the drums. Mm -hmm. So that's why I came to this line. Um, the My instrument called South Indian drum is Mirdangam. Mirdangam. So it's a king of percussion for the South Indian classical music art form. Mm -hmm. So I'm enjoying my profession. Um, about my childhood uh, and till today, I'm practicing and uh, being with all the artists and playing with them, with my gurus, my teachers, mm -hmm. blessings. I playing with all stalwarts in South Indian classical music, music and also uh, North Indian 
artists as well as western friends mm-hmm. because of uh, anemla uh, uh, she introduced lot of western art artists so to work with them so we collaborate lot of albums and uh, gigs mm-hmm. everything so i'm actually i toured a lot since 91 uh, i i will be out of country about 6 7 months mm. so, so for the concert tour and is this in india or or everywhere everywhere oh, all wow. over the world oh wow where where, uh, where is music is um happening mm-hmm. so most probably i will be there <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my teacher's blessing and swami's blessing so normala said that she was making music with anything she could find when she was young so what was your first drum was it a pot in the house that's a bench bench <laughs> really I, yeah that's but that, you know amul yeah <laughs> box so you know, milk milk powder dabas everything everything and just i i stand somewhere else i just hit something so, were there were there other uh, musicians in your family to give you your yeah, first yeah, yeah, lessons yeah yeah my my um, uncles are all the, everybody all the musicians yeah uh, there is there are is called nadaswaram and tavil is a um, traditional uh what what we can say temple instruments temple instruments okay. they are very loud nadaswaram is a wind instrument you will see it uh, is open air instruments open air. nadaswaram and tavil okay it's a open air instrument traditional uh, temples uh, tradi- uh and marriage there are outdoor instruments yeah. used in temples for services now also concert hall now they have come into the concert hall the tavil is a very powerful drum i mean okay. it's like the taiko drum in sure, many ways yeah. mm. it's very powerful and um, they have to wear special um, caps on their fingers which are made of uh, paste and dried so it's really strong and when okay. they play that on one hand and a stick on the other it's very powerful the mridangam that bubadiyana plays is played with the fingers there's sure. no extra you know uh, accompaniments to his fingers but there they have a stick on one hand and it's just mind blowing and it's very loud so our outdoors seem to suit really well but these days they have concerts of these instruments they are used in marriages they are used in temple processions and um with the uncle anas uncles were very renowned musicians your father was a very well known movie director and playwright and musician himself oh yeah. nice yeah, yeah. I'm curious about um you know uh we're using this phrase classical music and, <laughs> and Indian classical music. Um I think I've told you the story. I'll I'll, I'll tell it uh, very quickly before I entered the um the music profession. I worked for a, a cab company and as I was leaving the owner of the cab company told me, "Well, I know a lot about Indian classical music but not much about western." So, I'm curious to learn more. And that was the first time 
that a light bulb went off in my mind. Wow, that phrase classical music doesn't just refer to what we Westerners think of as classical music. I'm curious, how do you apply that phrase classical music? What is your opinion uh, on on the phrase classical music? Thank you for asking, Garrett, because that is uh, sometimes a question that I get asked a lot. Is Indian music folk? Mm. Do you have a classical? Because classical oh, okay. in the West comes across as a Western tradition. Right. Yeah. right. And I didn't realize this for a very long time because I grew up in India and I didn't leave the shores of India till I was 16. But that was my first time when somebody asked me that question because I grew up around Indian classical music. Mm-hmm. When we were little children, the tradition was you take your kids to either dance or music privately or painting or something like that. Give them a fine art. But typically it was dance and music, classical Indian dance, classical Indian music. This is what families would do for their children. And that's how my induction happened, too. So the word classical, I'm asked this a lot, too. What do you define as classical? I think it's something that's been around for a long time, something that has a very strong grammar, whose rules are fairly strict. Mm -hmm. And I think this can apply to many classical traditions because we have rules, we have grammar, and we've been around for a bit. But the Indian classical tradition did take a lot from the folk. There are ragas, which we know. Raga means a melody with a scale going up and down, but basically it's emotion. A raga is an Mm. emotion. And South Indian music technically has 34,776 ragas. Holy smoke. (laughs) Yes, but Scott, wouldn't you say we as human beings have much more than 34,776 emotions? Sure. Because a raga is an emotion, so you're happy, you're somewhat happy, you're very happy, you're greatly happy, you're thrilled. This itself is four ragas, because they're all not the same. So that's what the raga system is. Anyway, I was talking about the raga system, but that's a classical uh, uh, idiom. But ragas came from the folk tradition, so there are some ragas which came from working in the fields and the joy of standing out in the open and transplanting rice. There's a song for that. There's songs for going out fishing on the open seas, and that's a folk. But then those things have come into our concert uh, methodology or, or our com- concert repertoire, if you may. And some ragas came in and have become very classical versions of those folk ragas. Ananda Bhairavi is one of those ragas, which they say is Sanjuruti. There's another raga, which which is a folk, but we use it in very classical terms also. It has a folksy look at it, too. So the line does blur when yeah. you start bringing in life into music, because ultimately this is all about the human space, the human spirit, and the human experience. So ragas are nothing more than the everyday representation of the human experience in my book. Maybe there's a raga for, you know, meeting new friends. Yes, and, I'm and sure. coming we, together for the first time. Shall we try singing together? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we could, we could, because, you know, how is your day today? Mm, after all, we can translate right. that into a melody. It's raining. Mm, sure. You know, so that could be a certain set of notes. So there's valor, there's bravery, and there's all these Different, really different emotions, but there's also very close, related feelings, thoughtful, deeply thoughtful, pensive. You know, you could get into that space and really start playing around. Ultimately, I may sing it in a certain way, feeling something, but you may experience something quite different from my music. Mm -hmm. Ultimately, it's what we perceive 
and what we take away with us. A friend of mine once said that in this music, whereas Garrett and I with a musician, uh, with, uh, with an instrument, might play in a key, mm-hmm. mm. in this music it's more you play in a feeling. Is, mm-hmm. that, is that what I'm gathering from what you said? There's definitely that, but if you'd really started talking grammar, you will see when I play today, we have what is called the basic tone, a pitch, mm-hmm. that could okay. be also construed as a key. But the entire concert will be played in that basic tone being, say, E is the tonic. Uh-huh. We build the ragas with that yeah, E. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe in the Western tradition, we will call that a drone. Yes. Okay. And we, I would love to use that word. I just didn't go there. But that's the drone. Oh, okay. That's really okay, the great. drone. Got it. And yeah. the Indian music's mother, they say, is Shruti, which is the word for drone. Mm. And the father of Indian music, they say, is Laya, which is basic rhythm. Mm. Not a measured six beat, uh, three fourth. It's not that. It's just the rhythm that we all have going in here. And when that heart does not go properly, then we have the opposite of laya, which is avalaya, which is uh, something not okay. Yeah. So Indian music believes that there is order in the universe, and that order, whatever that be, is the basis of the father of the music. So it's a very familial mm-hmm. <laughs> system, yeah. mother and father and all of that. But they say that because the role of parents is also very highly revered in the society. Mm. The role of the teacher, the guru, mm-hmm. and the role of the parents. The guru is said to be that light which you switch on when you get into a room to see what is in that room. But really that room is you. Without the light, we don't see this room. But just imagine, once we put on the light, I can see the speakers, I can see the microphones and all of that. If we were this room, the guru is that spark that awakens in us what is us, really. They are just awakening who we are. So it is so important to find the right guru to realize ourselves. Mm. I just find this concept so mind-blowing mm. that the guru is remover of ignorance. Gu and ru exactly means that, remover Dispelling darkness, removing ignorance. Writing that down. I, I'm, you know, I have to say, I'm, I'm getting really moved by, um, you know, how you can't separate this music from the culture and yes. from the feeling of of being a person. Um, and uh, but Patti, I wanted to go back to the idea of playing um, in a mood. How do you? What What is the relationship between how you feel in a moment? And the music you're playing, can you play a a happier uh, sounding raga if you're if you're actually a little sad or, or if you're actually a little angry? What what is the relationship between those two things? Um, actually, when when we are playing with a song, with the song, it's like a happy mood, mm-hmm. or uh, it's very sad, or it's very uh, spiritual. So. The raga, they composed with a song, that that like mode. So same same thing. We have to adapt that mood in mm. with our body and fingering everything. We we have to apply for the song. So actually, in uh, uh, in on the stage. Uh, we have to play or accompaniment the artist is not only for the thala, not only for the song. Is we have to play for the mo- mood of the song, 
and uh, raga and ambience mm. so together we have to absorb it, absorb it and we have to reproduce with our art sure and, and you know scott what i'm thinking about right now is that if you know i go on stage and play let's say a, a brahms symphony or a tchaikovsky <laughs> symphony the way i feel has very little to do with yeah. the notes that 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 i'm playing and, and again i'll say it again i'm i'm so moved by um how you know the relationship between body and spirit and music and and setting it's 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 an incredible thing for me to think about absolutely there is a composition we were talking about um this weekend i was out in in a concert in a different state and we were talking about this piece which translates to you're going to laugh when i tell you this because you've heard this already elsewhere um all the world is a stage mm. we are but players yeah. and we are mere actors etc etc you know where i'm coming from yep. this is not from as you like it but this is from a 13th century indian composer <laughs> <laughs> thank you for clearing that up for us <laughs> called annamacharya who lived in south india and he wrote about the supreme and he said we are mere actors the songs melody has been composed in such a beautiful way i'm just going to randomly sing Please. i don't have a g on me right now there's an app for that yes <laughs> yes i tanpura isn't it apple so it's all about the me and <laughs> yeah i tanpura um it's a much better app than some of the other ones g sharp kurta one give me a flat yeah it's morning so it's better ಬದುಕು ನಾಟಕ ಕಾನದಿ ಕನ್ನದಿ ಕೈವಲ್ಯಮೋಟಿ ಬದುಕು ನಾಟಕ ನಾಟಕ ಪುಟುತಯು ನಿಜಮೋತಯು 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 ನಗಿ ನಗಿ ಕಾಲಮೋ ಪುಟುತಯು ನಿಜಮೋತಯು ನಗಿ ನಗಿ ನೀಟಕೋವನ ಶ್ರೀ I was just 
using that as an example to say nanati baduku natakamu means all the world is a stage nataka is the word for a play mm. you know kanadi kannadi what we see what we don't see are parts of this play kaivalyamu then he goes on to say phututayu nijamu potayu nijamu nijamu means truth phututayu is we are going to we are born that's the truth phutayu is we are going to go that's the truth nagi nagi kalamu what is laughing though because we are playing a game in between is kalam which is time mm-hmm. here's time sitting and laughing at us not <laughs> when we don't realize what is it that we are feeling but what we do know that there is somebody up there maybe pulling the strings and we are merely puppets and he's up there the blue sky is the limit for all of this but i just love i just sang a little bit of that song just to say we are born we have to go but in between what happens is this play and there's time sitting there and having a mighty hearty laugh <laughs> about the whole thing and the music that i just sang is poetry from the 13th century in the language telugu most beautiful uh, south indian language there are five six languages in which we sing south indian classical music like classical western music which is sung in so many different languages sure italian german italian yeah. german french english and yeah. so many other languages so we need to know the language that's important and when we play this song the way it's accompanied as he says mind body and spirit the drummers have to play it in such a way that the rhythm enhances this feeling. Yes. There is almost a feeling of um a very pensive thinking but also something very freeing about this melody I feel that there is an answer there. Don't feel like you have to take these responsibilities of your actions. I almost feel the composer is giving a validation of hey, I'm merely a player. so i can't really be responsible for my actions okay yeah <laughs> i almost feel like yeah. there's another perspective to that by saying somebody else is controlling it so in some ways it'd be better if you just surrendered yourself to that being let him take care of you then you will be going mm. you know the right path don't think you are doing anything here you know in some ways there's also that duality of that meaning i think one yeah. of the things as i sat and listened to you sing one of the things that i love about this style of music is the fact that um you know, like in classical music that we're used to and that Garrett plays on stage it has corners you know you're supposed to play it a certain way yeah whereas when i heard you singing there were times where it felt like you were in between notes yes and or at least in between what we would consider what we would notes, consider yeah. notes and where that might be undesirable in Yes. this sort but here it's part of it and i love that aspect of it and and there's also an improvisational aspect Very to it, correct true. i improvised even now oh, in wow. a, in a big way that is so wonderful so that Thank you. It, like um if you were to give two concerts one right after the next they would be so drastically different wouldn't they yes they would be even oh, this piece would be different not in a big way because the basic emotion i have to stay true to the intent of the composer of what he's trying to say here or what he has said and gone many centuries ago but there will be changes here and there i have to say this you said something so beautifully which my professor my teacher professor t r subramaniam of delhi university would be smiling down on you scott now <laughs> because he always said and what garrett said about what we say notes <laughs> i like that too yeah um my teacher always said it so beautifully he said indian music is music between notes it is uh. a journey 
he always would say, we're going to take a train in Delhi. Those days we took more trains than planes. And we would land in Chennai, which is Madras. You know, the old name was Madras. It's back to its original, original name of Chennai, which is where I was born. We all know that. So we start on note A and we're going to go to note Z. Hmm. We know this. But we are going to touch so many stations on the way. <laughs> so what is this journey like between yeah. this start and this end? And then the small station. So what happens between journey A, Delhi, and the next uh, station, which comes some some other station? What happens there? Did you have a coffee? Did you find tea? Mm. Was the weather was the good? good? Was the food good? Because the stations are known for their food too. Oh, Indian okay. railway stations used to be known for specialities. So, okay, you're going to get that. So what is your anticipation like? You're going to get this really wonderful thing to eat when you reach the next one. But how was the journey between the notes? Mm. So that is the beauty of Indian music, he says, because we all know we are going to go to the airport or train station and start here and reach there. But, you know, was TSA nice to you today? Did mm -hmm. they open your baggage? Did they put it back like you packed it? Right. These are things I think about in every journey yeah. because I travel with the instrument and my heart is in my mouth most of the time when I'm traveling. So, uh, so can you explain for us uh, like a raga, some... Raga called Kalyani or something. Okay. Can um, the Aroganam, Avaroganam, and how All the curves. You, yeah. Yes. Would you give me that drone? I'll be happy to talk yeah. about it. He and, says, and while, and while he's pulling the drone, you know, I'll, yes. I'll just say, you know, you, you you talk about your teacher uh, smiling down on Scott. You know, my my dear chamber music teacher who who's uh, who, who's now gone, Professor Weiss. He used to say all the time that music is the space between the notes. So even the fact that, um, you know, our, you know, West, Western music is a little more rigid, you know, that concept is still there. But in, in the Indian tradition, that space is just explored so uh, much more thoroughly. Yes. And I have to say something here, Garrett. I am blown away by Western music. And I'll tell you why. I come from a tradition, a classical tradition um, that has the very important concept of lineal melodic progression, which is we do one note, as I'm going to demonstrate, then go to the next note, then go to the next note, because we are used to doing this by ourselves. We don't have a whole big group of musicians that we work with, with a different concept. They are all going to be following the path set by the lead. If you were listening to what Bhupatiji was saying a little while ago, he said, we have to accompany the mood of that song. Mm -hmm. And that song is chosen by the person sitting in the center, which will be somebody like me playing the vino singing. And the drummers and the violin accompaniment, everybody follows that, but we're all on that melodic exploration, linear. So one note at a time, we climb like that. We don't do this parallel processing, as I call it, coming mm -hmm. from the computer world, <laughs> <laughs> in the harmony type of representations mm -hmm. when C is being sung there, somebody is doing a B here. Somebody else is doing a different tone somewhere else on a different instrument, like your bassoon. Wow, I love that instrument. <laughs> so people do it differently. At the same point of time, we have sounds coming from different sources that all sound so beautiful together. 
I've always wondered about the mind of those great classical composers of Western music on how can they think in these parallel paths and imagine, till I became a composer myself, I, I appreciate it even more now when I write for Western instruments because that was not my training. Ah, so see. I yeah. have to think outside the box and I love that challenge, which is how I made my collaborative album last year that released Maitri, The Music of Friendship. When I wrote, I had to think of how would Pat O'Keefe play this and how would it sound on the you know, saxophone, as opposed to Michelle Kinney on the cello. And how will I bring my vena in here to complement them? Mm. Um, how will Bubadiana play? How will Tim O'Keefe play? Or if I work with a different classical musician, then I'm thinking, how are they going to play? How is that instrument going to sound? I never had to do all that. I was selfishly always thinking about my vena and my vena and the sound <laughs> of my vena. Yeah. And what can I do with my vena now? When I think about these compositions, I said, those composers have to be so good at those different instruments and be masters at them to create such masterful works. So I'm, I'm saying this because this has always been something that I admire and respect about the classical tradition of the West because it's a completely different paradigm that yeah. it's working from as opposed to the Indian tradition, which I, I simplify by saying you know, linear melodic progression of notes. I'd like to ask you a question about collaboration because yes. um, I studied slide blues guitar with a, a local instructor here named Jeffrey, mm -hmm. and um, he turned me on to uh, an, a recording called A Meeting by the River. Have oh. you heard? Is it by Chaurasia? It's uh, Rai Cooter and Vishwa Mohan Bhatt. Vishwa Mohan Bhatt, yes, yes, yeah. I have, I've heard it. And that was, that was such a discovery. I didn't think about how well a steel guitar from the Delta would work mm. with your instruments from India. Uh, have you ever made a collaboration with I'm a, trying a guitarist to like that? Yes. I'm trying to remember with who did I play with the steel guitar. I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm blanking out now. I, I could get you that name very easily, but he was a very he's from Philadelphia. And when I was in Australia, he used to, he was at that time working for BBC in mm. Perth. Mm -hmm. So, we had a session, I'm trying to remember, was it a pedal guitar or a steel guitar that he brought? Yes, to answer your question, coming back to which guitar that I, I know really well with collaboration is our local Minnesota master, Dean McGraw. Oh, yeah, of course. Dean McGraw and I have played a lot together. Oh, nice. And at the Cedar and some other venues. And most recently, we were at the state capitol celebrating Mahatma Gandhi together. Mm. And Dean is a master at mm -hmm. improv and, and a great artist with whom I've had the honor of working. So acoustic guitar, yes. I worked with Steve Cole, another fabulous from the Brass Kings. Yeah. Um, I have worked with uh, Anthony Cox, the master oh, yeah. bass player. Yeah, yeah. And we had a band, have a band called Carnatic Energy. So I have been very lucky. So if I start thinking now, I can start giving you names of people I've worked with. And another instrument um, that blows my mind away is, of course, the saxophone clarinet and the wind family. Mm -hmm. But the guitar is like the Indian cousin um, is the veena. Guitar's Indian cousin is the veena. I, I was curious as to how um, uh, musicians from our more American tradition would meld with yours? The, the main thing is first, 
they wish to do it you know if somebody right. wants to do it then they are already realizing what is it that might take mm-hmm. to do and they are very very generous in minnesota that way is a great place for that and um when we sit down to play the one of the things we talk about is the drone that philosophy of how i work with the drone and if that can be done and the second important idea is improvisation or improvisation forgive yeah. my accent i've lived too many places in the world <laughs> to to have a anything proper i mix and match but when they improvise if they like to improvise then this is the place to go because then a lot of it is improvisation and improvisation if you you know in a you know in the western world especially here in the united states there's this big struggle and this big push to keep you know classical music quote unquote relevant and to and to pass it on uh, to the next generation is that um an issue in your experience with this music being uh so closely related to the culture of 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 South India it seems like it will always be there considering its history yes and i feel like i should say yes to the answer but i have to say there's always a you know this big question mark will this continue will this continue because we come from we being all of us classical musicians is a smaller group of people it's already a niche kind yeah. of a group yeah. and that's true for indian classical music too it's definitely not as popular as bollywood or you know india has so many different music making parts of the country we have kollywood and tollywood and all of oh, that okay. in india <laughs> so it's definitely not in that popularity zone at all so we are worried about that but i have to say it fills me with hope that when i begin teaching and i say i'm ready to take on students my numbers are forever growing and we have to close registration at some point for private lessons nice. because that tells me that our parents uh, parents being our community parents um, are interested in keeping and propagating this art i have many parents who have come to me who said we didn't receive this opportunity when we were growing up or we didn't take it seriously enough when it was given to us so now we want to give our children this opportunity will you teach our children and there's nothing more satisfying than have the next gen perform and sing yeah. and and i'm not saying they all have to become professional musicians like me that's not very practical because we need an audience too yeah uh, but at the same time if they found a friend in music then i consider myself very lucky to have given them that taste for a friend for life in music yeah you know go home and come back from work and pick up your instrument or sing or play the drums or find a safe place for yourself where you can be yourself and come out come out of it energized and positive to take on the next day that's all we look for and i do have to say i have about 10 or 15 young people including my own daughter who's my disciple who have become musicians boldly become musicians just yesterday we were discussing this uh, when we were sitting in an airport both with the gni about the future it's a very tough profession and yeah. i came home and the discussion continued with my husband because my daughter is studying music and uh, doing a second masters in music and my husband is like are you sure this is going to be sustain where she going to get insurance from and practical sure, things like that sure. and um i don't have answers but i have faith and i i just told him i'm not, i'm being foolish maybe in saying this uh, but bhuvati ji said she's a very hard working kid she's going to do well in everything because he had the same doubt when she went to princeton to study molecular biology 
and practically went into music for me as a major now that switched she became a music major with a minor in vocal performance and mm. of course she had neuroscience because she wants to connect the brain and music at some point right and but she's a composer a minnesota born raised composer now mm-hmm. and studying music now that's what she's doing so we were talking about the practicality of it garrett i know you asked about tradition continuing but i'm talking more you know more practically of course. because yeah, i don't know life. for real life i don't know which of my students are going to become professional musicians but some of them are already telling me they want to and i have told them you got to travel a lot you have to work all the hours every day is a vacation every day is a work day absolutely yeah so yeah, you know. i can't I know that story <laughs> i can't tell you the number of composers i've talked about on the air that when they first went to university they were studying law or right. something else before they switched over. So you tell your daughter that there's plenty of famous composers that have all the reverence in the world that were supposed to be a lawyer. Yeah. I mean, I started as an English major myself. There so, you go. Yeah. And my background, if you know, computer science. And right. look at me sitting here and talking about <laughs> music the whole time. So I... I I truly believe the universe will provide and I also believe music will provide. I have this faith in Bubadena always says that. He says if you work hard, that work ethic. If you have a positive attitude and belief and love with a passion and work with a passion, it's not enough to just love with a passion. <laughs> we got to back oh, it up yeah. with some serious work. Yeah, absolutely. So if we uh taught uh 100 students, mhm. um so we are getting out of 100 there will be a two musicians and 98 listeners sure sure <laughs> yeah. so important that's, yeah yeah, yeah. That's why i'm, we I'm not survive our music art form we survive it like that yeah, yes. yeah. well well we're definitely going to listen to some music but but i have i have one more question sure. so um namala when we met at um the american composers forum uh, convening i remember you talking to me about how important it is not just for uh the music to have a, a place and visibility but the traditional dress also to have <laughs> uh you know to be visible and and the both of you are are in a traditional dress right now I, i'm i'm curious about uh the importance and the relationship between that and the performance of the music absolutely i believe that um it's important to look and feel your best first sure. every time and it's our responsibility when you were in, we're in front of so many people also to represent the art form in every possible manner visually and uh, musically and as musicians as you know we uh, the dancers i envy them because they've got this great jewelry and this great costumes and when they come and stand on stage the indian classical ones or any dancer for that matter you just like ah oh, this is so beautiful because for what it's worth your jewelry is also very beautiful thank you very much that's so kind <laughs> of you but the point is that we don't as musicians we don't move around we don't express with you know all these great emotions we use the human body completely we use it in a different way we're static we're sitting on stage we don't move around much and i think photographers when they photo- photograph musicians <laughs> they have to find some really interesting angles yeah. but dancers you can get all of that so that's the first point that we need to be dressed in the right way um because i also believe it's part of the experience the second thing i believe is when you get dressed like this we prepare yourself mentally also as oh. you're getting ready for the process that makes sense yeah you know when um i even use the example of when you go to church you 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 are having a special time you think to go and commune as a community and talk to god or by yourself whatever it is you light a candle you light a lamp it 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 that act 
is putting your mind in a different place, I believe. And just like that, getting ready um, and, and looking like, you know, you've, you want to perform. And the whole act of getting ready, the 10 minutes that you prepare yourself or 15 minutes, readies you and puts you in the moment mm. of performance. So I believe the clothing and the attire is as much important and a true representation of the culture. And I tell you, Garrett, these are so comfortable. You try sitting in jeans <laughs> and playing the veena. You sit down in jeans and play the veena. I'm not very comfortable with that. I like my loose pants. I don't like tight clothes when I'm sitting down there. So this is extremely comfortable. It's like a skirt. You know, you wrap around some clothing around sure. the skirt. And you sit down and it's very freeing to play. So I think this is also a comfort factor, selfishly. Sure. sure. <laughs> Um, and, and, and before we uh, hear the two of you play a little music, um, if there's someone who has never experienced uh, Indian music before, um, other than, of course, uh, looking up and buying your albums, uh, what, what should a person search for? What, 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 is, what would you say is a good starting point? Um, a good one would be uh, to first listen to different instruments of Indian music, including the voice. Um, so go and Google or search on Carnatic music, Indian classical music, put down different instruments. First, look for the names, then find the names, make a note of them. Go look for artists playing the veena or playing the Saraswati veena, which is how my instrument is called, or the mridangam or vocal or violin or flute, because you will find a whole list of them. And then when you start listening, then you will start feeling, listen to a few. So there's different styles. So you may not exactly hit the best thing right away. Because as you know, Google doesn't have quality control. So sure. you can just get something and they may not be your best experience. So just Google out these various things, uh, search it out, and then figure out what might appeal to you and start following. Slowly listen. But I, I have to say, go to a concert in person. Sure. Nothing mm. like the live experience. I mean, this conversation, I don't know if it would have happened better uh, in a different way, but except to sit with you and actually talk to you. You know, it's a very different thing watching your faces and saying, uh, you know, whatever you're giving yeah. me in, in assurance or confirmation or you know, I should change my tactics. This is not working. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever met a friendlier audience than what you have this in front of the, you right now. This is the best. <laughs> this is the best. And such an, you know, lovely way to just talk about things. I didn't I didn't come here with any ideas of what we might talk, but you made me feel so comfortable. That's the same thing for an audience member. You go there, sit there, don't have any expectation, just see what you get. And there's enough venues in town in Minnesota and other countries and other places in the States to get live music. So anything go live. You, that is never to be duplicated. That's the beauty of Indian music, too. If you see a YouTube recording, you're going to find somebody talking or playing that day, talking in music, I mean, mm -hmm. of what they felt that moment and somebody's camera capturing that. There's so many variants in there. You didn't get the live experience. So if I were them, I would just... Just head out to a concert hall. I would do that. If okay. I experience, want to experience anything that I've never experienced, I, yes, do my homework, but I, I try and make it to a concert in, or a, a play or whatever it is, but a talking or reading in person to 
Well, I'm ready to experience some of that now. Oh, we are ready to play for you. Nirmala Bhupati, thank you so much. This, this has been a blessing to me. I've, I've been thank so you. moved uh, by this entire conversation. So thank you so much for the work that both of you are doing. And thank you for uh, coming to sit with us today. Again, namaste. 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 And may namaste. I say namaste. thanks for your show. Your podcast is, is a very popular one among my circles of friends. And I'm just thrilled there's a space for this in our world today. So to both of you, Scott and Garrett. And of course, I'm very honored to be on your show. Nobody could ask for a better Monday morning. We're (laughs) so glad to have you. Thank you so so much. Thank you so much.
performances there by Nirmala and Barpati, our special guests today on this opus of Triloquy. I, I'm not sure what I'm going to name this one. I might have to do some research on a uh, on a uh, Hindi Hindi. Maybe I'll I'll find the uh, Hindi phrase for that. Life is a stage, and uh, okay. we're all players. Yeah. Um. So 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 that's soon to come. Um. What a performance! <laughs> what an experience! It's just. I just wish that everybody listening could have been in the room for that five to ten minutes that they were playing. I mean, I was running the video camera, but I I was somewhere else. My body was here, but I was riding whatever wave they were on right along with them. And, you know, after we... um... After we turned off the mics and uh, as Nirmala and Burpati were, uh, you know, packing up and getting their instruments together, uh, we got back on the conversation of mood and how that plays a role uh, in the music. But but also, you know, how day-to-day life can be uh, kind of ugly and, and, and how music like this really, you know, can help center you and, and, and help put you back into your mind uh, in, a, in a positive way. And... Uh, you know, Namala used this phrase, you know, she said that, um, you know, when people hurt people, they don't mean it or, or they may, might not necessarily mean it. And, um, you know, hear, hearing hearing her, you know, say things like that and, and hearing her perform and listening to that music, you know, really gave me a, a introspective look into some of the things that are uh, going on in my life. And, uh, I think we all should just practice more patience. I I certainly need to do that. Um, I know when people hurt my feelings for whatever reason, they may not mean it. Um, So many, just, I'm I'm feeling so many emotions today, you know, based on what's going on in my life on the outside. And then, you know, hearing this music and, and hearing Nirmala talk about the relationship between the heart and the spirit and the body and and what you put out into the universe. What an incredible way to spend a day today. I think that the fact that she left a really lucrative career in order to find, in order to follow this music and to take on so many students to send out. So many that they can't take more you know she right. was talking about how they had to shut the doors because there were so many people interested uh, i'm i i'm is i'm 100 percent in awe of the work that she has put in to play that instrument because she she took some some time to show me the different uh parts and uh how it was made you know there's the fretboard has beeswax there's an artist's inlay of gold leaf paper she has altered that instrument to be able to break it down and travel there's a pickup installed in it so that she can be amplified <sighs> and it the, and it applies to much you know it definitely applies to uh Nirmala and Borpati's stories but I think it applies to the uh, to to the broader conversation of classical music, whether you consider that Western, if you're talking about the classical music of India or anywhere. Behind every performance, behind every recording, is a lifetime of sacrifice, of blood, sweat, and tears, of dedication, of going hungry, going broke, just to just to uh, maintain uh, this artistry and and to share it with the world, and uh, 
and I'm eternally thankful to Nirmala for for uh, for blessing us, as she kept saying, uh, with her presence, with her with her music. Uh, as I told her, as she was walking out the door, I felt like, um, you know, as she was talking about the ancestors blessing her. You know, I felt that energy as well. It's really, you know, we up here at work at 8 p.m., we talk about the power of classical music. That really is the power of classical music to really center you and help you think and, and to help you uh, have a little bit of, of perspective on, on what this is. And, you know, they're so busy as they were, you know, as, as we were saying goodbye to them, they were talking about how they're heading uh, over to India here in a, um, in a few weeks to, to share the music. So if you're listening to this from uh, India, thank you very much. <laughs> we, uh, we, we have been very moved by this music, by uh, your culture, and we appreciate um we appreciate the opportunity so much. You know how um, she, when, when we were talking about her vocalization and we talked about existing between the notes, you know how um, there's, there is sound in between what we consider to be pleasing or acceptable. Right. And, um, and, and how improvisation is a large part of this music. Do you think that a modern orchestra could improvise and make it sound like that? Could they? Could a modern orchestra get in between notes like that and exist in that space? Possibly. I mean, if you want to talk, um, you know, logistically and pragmatically, double reed instruments, uh, flutes, obviously trombones, any anything without that, you know, very uh, very rigid way of creating the sound. Obviously, every stringed instrument, you know, can can make that sound. Um, but I think there's a responsibility if orchestras want to explore that. They need to make sure they're doing it the right way and really doing their research, um, inviting um, uh, Indian professionals, Indian artists in to uh, to to consult and and wow. How how much broader will the world of classical music be um, if we dig into that? You know, when you I was tearing up as you uh, reminded me what Namala was saying about the space between the notes, because uh, you know one of my teachers uh, used to say that to me, the late great David Weiss. I mean, I loved him very much. He, you know, he he's one of the main people that helped shape my career. And one of the things he always uh, said to me was that uh, he believed that I would be successful uh, in music because I paid attention to the space between the notes. Mm. And, of course, as uh, Nirmal and Borpati were um, likening all of the music to life, you know, you can't help but to think about, you know, the space between um, point A to point B, you know, in a day's time, in a week's time, uh, in a lifetime, and how those spaces in between um, are where life really happens. And I think you just stumbled across the, the title for this opus. The Space Between? The Space in Between. All right, that's what this one will be called. So thank you for listening to The Space Between, opus 24? Sure. Is this 24? I think uh, <laughs> that before we wrap up here, we also have to acknowledge the fact that See, normally the host would give a gift to somebody bringing in their instrument and talking about their life uh, as a performer. She flipped the script on us yeah. and showed up with a gift for us. So let's open this now while we're recording okay, here. Here's the, here's the paper rattling. <laughs> okay, so she said there's chocolate that we're supposed to share. Okay, so these are... Um... Uh, this is a reed dispenser, uh, Karma Sense, I think it says, and it's it's rose scented. I'm sure that's very beautiful. 
Oh, so that's that's not the chocolate. No, that, that's a, and <laughs> all then, right. I'm not going to eat that. And then there's uh, what looks like uh, like a piece of art that hangs on the wall, um, an embroidered uh, elephant with this uh, beautiful pattern pattern work there. That would look good on your wall. And then uh, we both have um, packages of Lindor chocolates. So those will <laughs> those will be very nice. Thank you so much, much uh, Nirmala. Thank and you, Bhapati. Um, what an incredible experience. Uh, you know, if, if I can if I can wrap up by saying anything is that, um, you know, take time today to really go into yourself and think about the space between. Think about where you are and think about how you can um, make someone else's life a little better because I feel like they made my life better today. I agree with you. So next yeah. time on Triloquy. Next time. <laughs> um, a, a little while ago, several months ago, uh, an article was uh, sweeping the Internet. It's time to let classical music die. Well, that was written by a guy named Nibal Mesud. And you got him. And he's going to be with us next time on Triloquy, so be sure to tune in for that. And if you would like to reach out, just send an email to triloquy at americanpublicmedia.org. That's T-R-I-L-L-O-Q-U-Y at americanpublicmedia.org. Namaste.